0: Hey, everybody. This is Nate Smoyer, and you're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. This is the show where we sit down with the leaders in real estate and technology to find out what they're doing to transform the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. If you've got an interest in real estate and technology, stick around. You're in the right place.
1: Well, hey, everybody. We got a great episode here for you today. I'm talking with the co-founder of Metaprop, Zach Aarons, and we cover everything in this episode. <laughs> um, and when I mean everything, we talk about biggest opportunities that exist in prop tech as well as outside of prop tech. We, we go off topic quite a few times. Um, but uh, I think this is really important, especially for those... Uh, first off, if you're a real estate tech company and you're like, man, I would love for uh, Metaprop to invest in us. You're going to want to listen to this because you're getting the insights of, you know, what they look for, what they're interested in. But also you're getting behind the curtain, if you will, or behind the mind of a VC. And this isn't just any firm that, you know, Zach's a part of here. Metaprop is the most active early stage investor in all of PropTech. You know, and I went and looked back to their crunch base and it said that they've done no less than one deal per quarter since 2015 that's extremely active. And when you think about PropTech itself, they were early in on this. So uh, a ton of wisdom coming in here. Had a great time recording this episode. I think you're going to love listening to it. Check it out.
2: Well, hey, Zach, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. It's so great to be on and happy new year.
1: <laughs> I keep forgetting. It is it is 2020. We are in the 20s, the roaring 20s. Is that is that what they're going to call it now? Do you know?
2: Well, the beginning of the last Roaring Twenties, nineteen twenty, was a, there was a, a, a bomb that was detonated on Wall Street, and uh,
3: oh, the
2: stock market still went up that same day.
3: Uh well, and that was the start of the Roaring Twenties. <laughs> I,
1: I didn't know that history lesson. Uh, I do appreciate that. I went to public school, so um, so if you
2: go to yeah, if you go to the intersection, so it's the old Morgan Guarantee Trust uh, Building. It was where J.P. <laughs> Morgan worked, and if you go, it's across from the Stock Exchange and Federal Hall. They still have a couple of uh, holes in the wall of it. Wow, which were from the shrapnel.
3: Yeah, uh, and the exactly.
2: people they suspected. Of doing they, they, they thought it was tied to, do you remember Sacco and Benzetti? I don't know who they are. Anyway, they, they, were, they were two. Um, Sacco and Benzetti were two people that were blamed. It was kind of like Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, thing, if I remember correctly.
1: This is anyway, by this is the far... Start.
2: That was the start of the Roaring Twenties. The last Roaring Twenties. Yeah, I think by far the calling, best
1: intro to any episode we've ever had. No one's I ever think, hit it with
2: a history lesson right off the bat. <laughs> I think, I think, I think we're going to call it the Roaring Twenties though. There That's it is. That's the circuitous answer. But yeah. Well,
1: before we go too far into history, um, I haven't introduced who, who you are and what you do. So uh, can I give you the pleasure of introducing yourself? Who are you and what do you do?
2: Uh, hi, I'm I'm uh, Zach Aaron's. Um, uh, I what I do is I uh, work at Metaprop. I'm a co-founder and partner there for an early stage prop tech focused venture capital fund based in New York City.
1: All right. And so normally when we have people in the show, it's you know they're like a company founder, and it's easy to say, okay, what's the big problem you're trying to solve? And I thought about that. And I was like, well, you know, what? I think this will fit anyway, too. So you know, because you're you're obviously working to solve some problems. So really, what, what are the big problems that Metaprop sees that they're solving?
2: Well, the, the fundamental reason we exist is, is um, because we're looking to tether together real estate and technology, which up until pretty recently, those two sectors weren't really tethered together. Um, and we tether them together through a venture capital business model. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can tether them together through a lot of different business models as well. Like, uh, avail is tethering them together through building a product that, mm-hmm. uh, landlords actually use, um, uh, a, a, an aggregator, a news aggregator, like CRE tech is doing it and monetizing in a different way, right? They're, they're curating content, they're doing events and shows, right? There's a lot of different ways to sort of peel the banana. Um, Mm -hmm. In our particular case, like the fundamental reason we exist is to tether those worlds together. And that's the same as it, as it was when we started the company in 2015.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And, um, but what kind of problems are we trying to solve? We're trying to solve all the big problems in the real estate world. So we're trying to figure out, we're trying to figure out how to ensure the long-term survivability of the built world. And mm-hmm. how do you make the built world more affordable? How do you make it more accessible? How do you, and we think that technology is fundamentally and innovation is fundamentally what underpins that entire transformation. And so like, you know, we have our sort of short-term why we exist, which is like to tether those worlds together. And then the long-term missions, like long-term survivability, resiliency, sustainability. Affordability Mm of of space.
1: Very cool. There's. Uh, sounds like a whole bunch of easy problems in there to try and attempt to solve uh, at the same time.
2: Well, I mean, we're like (laughs) we we try. We're not like we're not like we're single. You know, like it's a it's it's a collaboration, right? It's a public private partnership. It's a partnership with real estate companies. Partnership, right? Software companies. Partnership with municipalities. I mean, we're not like we're not like we're doing this like ourselves. Right, like, but, we I mean, just—if we can—if we can, can like—if we can like chip away at like one small, if we can be like Andy Dufresne, and like over the next fifty years, just like chip away at one small section uh-huh. of that wall, like we'll be happy, like we'll break through a little bit of it.
1: How do you get into this? Because I mean, I imagine it's not like one day you're like, you know, what we need to do—we need to connect that computer to that building over there and make something magical happen. Like, what's the? How do you find yourself at Metaprop?
2: Um, it was a circuitous, uh, 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 journey for sure.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I mean, I, I got into the, um, I, growing up, my dad, my dad's always been in the real estate business, uh, for as long as I've been alive, um, originally in the, in, in the private sector, uh. Um so I grew up and then, then then ultimately public sector, and so I grew up sort of with it a little bit mm-hmm. um, and then um I kind of got interested in the internet uh in the year two thousand um uh, which is kind of funny twenty Makes years a lot ago. of sense that's when i built my um, y y two k right yeah. and 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 i had uh I had an internship uh, in london i was uh, uh 18 uh and i had an internship in london um and the firm i was working for was a it was called fourleaf.com and you can't find anything about them online because they went under but they were an original like linkedin like they were it was a it was a business networking site so i interned for that site um i think i must have well i was uh i was still in high school anyway i'm i'm turning 37. So it, was, so it was 99, maybe. Okay. Um, and so that was my first taste of like working for an internet company. And I loved doing that. I had a great
3: time that summer. And so I was like, maybe I want to work for an internet company uh, or start my own internet company. Um,
2: so that was my first taste of that. And then when I graduated from college, I worked in investment banking. Um, And I liked certain aspects of it, but didn't like other aspects of it Mm -hmm. and got an offer to join a team that was doing this, uh, travel tech website, like walking tours and technology, blending them together. Mm. Um, so, uh, I did that for a while. Um, ultimately sort of turned it into an online, mainly an offline walking tour business was how we paid the bills. Um, and then we tried to build technology and could never kind of build the technology that I had in my head. Uh, and that was before I sort of read the lean startup and started thinking about things with a more startup type of mentality and methodology. Mm -hmm. Um, so I did that for a while. Uh, I became a tour guide, uh, led tours all over New York city. And I I was doing like, um, Uh, social media marketing, content marketing, kind of early on. Um, And my dad was like, you should come do it um, for Millennium, which was the real estate uh, development company Mm -hmm. that he started uh, in uh, 1991. Um, And they needed help uh, doing social media for a particular project out in LA. They wanted to galvanize support. from sort of, uh, they, they essentially, they thought that there was support out there for what they were trying to do in terms of increasing density around mass transit in LA. Mm-hmm. But if they went, if they just did, they did the traditional community outreach route as well. But in order to reach sort of millennials, uh, they needed to be online. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we were pretty early back into 2010 doing social media. Were you uh, calling real them real millennials business. back then? I don't know if they were still known as Gen Wires back then, but like whatever, it was like our generation, like I love whatever getting we call all those names. It's my favorite. My favorite one of those is the Jordan Catalano generation, which <laughs> I uh, am in. It's a little micro generation between Gen X and Millennial. <laughs> like you don't really um, identify as either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of identifies both, um, but. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so, so I was doing, was doing that. Uh, and then I went to business school, started getting excited about, uh, venture. Um, so I interned for a venture capital fund, uh, called Anyac Ventures. Um, and they kind of taught me, uh, how to do venture. And then I took a couple classes, uh, at business school at Columbia. Mm. And one of the classes I took was with, uh, Ed Zimmerman and Dave Haber and they were, um, and they were both lawyers, uh, still are excellent sort of startup lawyers. And they kind of taught me how to negotiate a term sheet and what like, how to sort of structure venture deals and things like that. Um, and then I took another VC class with, uh, Stu Ellman and Will Porteous, who were the, uh, two of the partners at RE Ventures. And they, Stu was the one who gave me the idea to focus on what we now call prop tech. Mm. So he was like, you're doing this like VC stuff, you're investing in, and, and all of my sort of investing theses were around my previous business, which was related to walking tours. So I was investing in like kind of stuff that was built on the Foursquare API back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so companies like LocalMind and Fondue and all these sort of new ratings mm-hmm. apps that were popping mm-hmm. up. Yep, And Stu was like, you should really just focus on real estate technology because it's going to be really big. And that was like in 2012. And so I just aggressively... Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'd say that worked out.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, he's a a very prescient guy. Um, So I'm actually doing a deal with him right now, which is pretty cool. Uh, So... uh, Yeah, after that, it was sort of off to the races. Mm -hmm. Um, Just started focusing on these types of businesses, uh, uh, your type of business. Um, And uh, then got the opportunity uh, when I met Aaron Block in 2015 to sort of kick up a notch what I've been doing sort of uh, as a side hustle when I was... Primarily working uh, in real estate development and property management. Mm -hmm. Um,
3: And like create a platform essentially to do it, um, to do it, it, it be more impactful. Yeah.
2: So that was the sort of circuitous journey to starting uh, Metaprop.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of a roundabout, but obviously you'd been around real estate for what, your whole life? So you, you've seen like how it's been done. Yeah, I you know, mean, I went.
2: Long. I went on the job site uh, when I was eight years old. I <laughs> went up in the hoist, wore a hard hat, like yep, on one of my dad's projects. So yeah, it was. Uh, it's so. It's always been uh, around.
1: <laughs> so then, but, but see, that's where I think like it, it, you have an, a distinct advantage over a lot of people because you're not trying to. Like imagine what is going on in the real estate world, and then applying technology to it. You're seeing, okay, I know what's happening. I've seen what's happening and how things work. And here are all these points of friction that, for whatever yeah. reason, just say, well, that's the way it's been done, and that's how we do things. But you're coming from the tech, you know, perspective of, well, there actually is better ways that we can address these problems, or there are, you know, ways that we can solve some of those problems. Yeah. Life a little bit easier or more enjoyable.
2: Yeah. Also, I think what benefits is that at Millennium we didn't really have um, departments necessarily. Uh-huh. Um, you, everybody did a little bit of everything, like more or less. Like in my role, so you did a little bit of property management, a little bit of social media, a little bit of um, acquisitions, a little bit of dispositions, a little bit of leasing, a little. So I didn't get good at anything, but <laughs> I I can spot um, problems in everything.
3: Yeah, yeah,
2: and that, and that's super helpful. Whereas, like, if I had just like been at another firm and like focused on, you know, maybe I would have been the best or really good at leasing.
1: Yeah, you would. Like, you would leasing a, specialist. Yeah, yeah.
2: Not that there's yeah. anything wrong with
1: that.
3: No, and, like, no,
2: you know, but but I, I wouldn't be able to evaluate as many companies easily and be like, I actually had that problem. Like I've actually had like two or 300 real estate problems in my career. Right. So like there's a lot of companies like just sitting in my
3: head.
1: That's, that's a good thing that you've had two or 300 problems because I mean, you survived them.
3: Yeah. yeah man. <laughs> so I got, get through three
1: hundred. I mean, that's that's a that's enough uh years. I'm trying to think. If I could yeah, I've never sat down and wondered, like even my short term as a real estate agent, like how many problems did I encounter? I might have had one deal with about a hundred problems itself, but <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, that's what happens when you're a rookie agent and you don't pick good clients. Uh I want to ask you about this. So um okay, so y you, you, you this whole story leads up to okay, we're gonna do this
3: thing called Metaprop. Um uh, first off, what's behind the name Metaprop? Um, I, it's I don't know. What do you think about it? I think it's cool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's like Metaprop. Yeah. Okay. It sounds like they're doing big things in property.
2: Yeah. I think it's just like it's just like we you know it's it's a it, it's a catchy um, it kind of uh, is it ironic is it not. What do you mean by like being, you know, uh, meta about property? Like, that's so <laughs> ridiculous. Right. Um, so it was just a name we picked that we like dug it and, you know, it looked cool. You know, like, I think the it worked. So it's sort of spelled it out. It. Um, and it's yeah, it's like an easy brand to like digest and yep. remember. Um, so yeah, we dig it, but we, we didn't have like, we didn't have like a 48 hour like whiteboard session about it. Like Aaron just like came up with it where like, that's pretty fucking good.
1: I think that it, the name sometimes is just what you make it. It is what you make it. Yeah,
3: for sure. For well,
1: sure. So, so since, since you guys get up and running, you know, so, uh, my understanding is you guys are the most active early stage investor in prop tech. And yeah. according to Crunchbase, you Indeed. guys have done 80 deals since 2015, or, or excuse me, since, and at least one deal, excuse me, so 80 deals and at least one deal per quarter since the thir- third quarter of 2015. And I, and I know Crunchbase crunch base isn't always 100% right, but I'm, I'm sure that's pretty close, if not 100% right. But my uh, first question yeah, is...
3: It, it, it's
2: close. We've done, we've, we've probably done 72. since 72.
1: Okay. Is that flow, is, is that consistent flow of deals normal?
3: Like, should, is that to be expected? <laughs> like in the future of the firm or like?
1: But yeah. So, I mean, you know, you're doing one deal a quarter. And I realize like, you're not necessarily just me. Media- no, we do more than that. We do
2: way more than that.
1: Right, right. So, sorry. At, at least one deal a quarter since 2015, right? Tail end of 2015.
2: Right. That's, that's true. Yeah. But yeah. Now, we, now we do them faster. Yeah.
1: yeah so, I, I'm just curious, like, that seems like a high deal flow.
2: Yeah, we see forty deals a week. Okay, and that's so that, like that's like de- that's like deals we actually look at, and then there's like you know garbage beyond that. But
1: so how how many how many companies are you talking to per company you do a deal with? What do you mean? Like is it a hundred companies you get an introduction to for every one you end up doing a deal
2: with, or? Oh, well, we we see forty deals a week. And so that's um,
3: that is a hundred sixty a month, right? And we do um, one and a half per month. Well, I'm not good at math, but that's a pretty
1: good uh, uh, that's a that's a high number of deals you're looking at. I mean, that's you're
3: looking at more than Shark Tank at that rate. Um. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, maybe, probably not. The TV show?
2: Yeah. How many deals do they qualify before they actually get on the oh, show? Oh yeah.
1: Well, that's, that's fair. I think they only do like three or four per, per episode. But so, so then walk me through, like, how do you maintain that deal funnel? Are, are you chasing down these companies or are they knocking on your doors at this point? Both. Um, both. Okay.
2: We are constantly chasing down companies and companies are knocking on our door simultaneously. Right. You want to keep a, a, a healthy flow of both of those things happening at your firm right. at any given time.
1: So if I'm a real estate tech startup founder, I've got this really cool solution. It's going to make everyone billionaires. We're going to be a unicorn in two years. How do I get your attention?
2: I have one of your customers email me about you.
1: Oh, interesting. Does that organically happen? Or do you find found- founders actually have their customers send you an email? They
2: never do that. But- I'd like that because I want the customers to become, you know, uh, involved in, in our activities as well. So huh. it's like, you know, it's a win-win for me to talk to more people who own real estate.
1: Oh, that's fascinating. Okay, that was not an approach I would have expected. I would have expected something
2: like have a really cool... Well, that's, that's my new approach for 2020. That's my resolution for founders. Let's hear it. No, to, to have your customers email me.
1: That's your resolution for other companies. <laughs> <laughs> your resolution is for other companies to have them have their customers email you. Yeah. Okay. All right. I can dig it. Hey, that's fine. That's fair. That's your why resolution, not, not mine. I, I don't see a reason why not. I think that's uh, it's probably, that'll be probably pretty interesting. So if anyone's, you know, for the people who are listening, if anyone's listening to it, we have a few listeners. For those who are listening, I want to take, take him up on the challenge here. He wants you to have, Zach wants you to have your customers email him. Uh, I I don't, I don't, well, I'm not going to give out your email. You can give it out if you want to, but we can also give it out at the end of the show if you want to do that.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, my email is pretty discoverable.
1: There you go. Okay. So be resourceful. Find his email. Have your customer send him an email. Um, <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> so uh, the other thing you guys do at Metaprop, I think a lot of people are familiar with this. You also have a, an accelerator, right? hmm Yeah. Okay. So, but not all portfolio companies necessarily go through the accelerator
2: program, right? No, the, the accelerator's is uh, very small every year. It's about okay. five or six companies per year. Uh, and as I mentioned, you know, we're, as you, you, you actually mentioned first, we're funding way more companies than that. Yep. So it's, uh, it was, uh, we started the firm as an accelerator. Um, and it was, uh, we, we, and we still believe that a lot of prop tech requires a programmatic approach to sales and distribution and, and setting metrics for yourself and goals. And for some people, um, an accelerator is a really good sort of way to get themselves and their business centered. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we still offer that, uh, program. Um, and you know, we still get, uh, um, hundreds and hundreds of applicants, uh, every Mm -hmm. year and, you know, we take five or six companies. Um, and so, yeah, we've done, uh, we've done it since 2015. Wow. It's not a, it's not a, it's an every two week program though. It's not a live in uh, our office kind of program. Um, We don't have the room and we, you know, a lot of the companies don't actually want to be disrupted to relocate their operations.
1: I mean, I visited the office. There's a couch. (laughs)
2: Look, (laughs) if you're a portfolio company, you can come chill, but... True startup vibes. You guys get to
1: sleep on the couch and work in the conference room, and uh, no. So, what are some of the criteria though that you look for uh, for companies that are applying for that? Like, what do they really need to demonstrate other than
2: having their customers email you? (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, they need they need a reason for wanting to do it because it's it's an intense program in many ways, and it's not for everybody. Um, So they need to have a clear sort of goal. Uh, that they want to hit. Yep. Uh, that's fundamentally business related before they think about joining, um, and then we have to have the confidence that we can actually help them achieve it in in a in a turbocharged way.
3: Uh,
2: and if we can't, it's it's typically not a good fit. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, it's been it's been great for us. It's been great for the brand. It's been great for the. Returns. returns, um, some of our best uh, performing companies uh, come historically from the accelerator. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we think that trend will continue.
1: Do, do some of those companies then go on to become a portfolio company? Is that the idea of it? Yeah,
2: I mean, they're all, they're all portfolio companies. Some of them <laughs> go on to us, you know, putting millions of dollars into and sitting on the board and really, you know... Making it a core kind of holding of the theoretically like return return driver. Yeah, makes sense.
1: Um, This might sound like an odd question, but I mean, obviously, you're talking all these different companies. So you're seeing a lot that's out there, but I've seen VCs on Twitter talk about having a book of ideas they wish companies would go out and solve so they could go fund it. Do you have one of those books or a list of ideas you just wish people would solve?
3: Of course.
2: Are you, are you uh, willing to share any of those? Um, yeah, of course. I mean, I, 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 I'd, I'd love to share some of them. Uh, I, I think there's going to be somebody who solves the grocery delivery in urban area explosion mm. through technology and uses real estate creatively to do that. And I haven't quite seen anything that, um, at least, was available to finance. Uh, so that's an idea we've been sort of kicking around. Um, you're going to need like zoning and building codes are going to have to become standardized over the next decade, like mm-hmm. by municipality, in order to absorb like. Um mass modular and prefabricated housing mm-hmm. um, because the way to do to manufacture at scale
3: uh, cheaply is to really, really uh, strangle your supply chain.
2: And you have, so you have to make sure that all of those SKUs are compliant with every single building code and every single zoning code for the mm-hmm. design of the particular municipality where you want to build. And so that's going to all need to change. And the company that's like building that is going to win and make a lot of money. So that's another thing we're looking at for 2020.
1: So do you you think that, I mean, this is going to be a thing where someone's able to convert all local building codes so that they essentially they read as one or that there's going to be a federal overhaul of building codes?
2: (sighs) Neither, I think there's going to be a technology company that's going to create some sort of graph SQL database and APIs that push and pull that standardize everything for architects hmm. and developers hmm. and sort of enable push and pull out uh, in a way that we can't even really fathom today. Have you uh, fundamentally have you seen
1: what is, City Builder is doing?
2: Yeah, City Builder is very cool. Yeah, it basically be similar to that.
1: Yeah, and there. I mean, I know they're only uh, working in a few cities, but
2: yeah, it's very cool stuff. Yeah, we yeah. have a, we have a firm called uh, uh, Envelope that we backed that uh, is doing very interesting things with the zoning code.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but they're they're looking to what what the difference is there with those companies is they're looking to sort of optimize it to make it more profitable. Mm-hmm. I'm looking to. Optimize and standardize it so modular fabricators can plug
3: into it.
1: Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So take what we do with hardware today, but apply it to buildings.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not familiar enough with the hardware supply chain. So, you know, fair enough to know, but I would imagine. Yeah.
1: Don't you think that uh, Amazon and Whole Foods could just? easily solve that grocery problem though, without anyone else having to build into it?
3: Probably. <laughs> but they're not. But they I haven't. Mean, they're not doing it. Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: Uh, I can say that uh, a good friend of mine, he, he runs a, uh, a little interesting uh, newsletter called Curious. Um, he wrote about... Uh, uh, what's that store? it's one of the, like the big chains not Safeway but you know they do the grocery pickup at least so it's not in the you know major metropolitan areas but in the surrounding areas it was fascinating he uh, stopped one of the you know the, the grocery guys in the store who was doing the shopping just started asking him all the questions to get the numbers on how much what's it cost and how they do the grocery shopping and all those things and it was it was fascinating just to hear the tech that a grocery store has in making the shopper you know the person designated to do the grocery shopping for you so you can just pick your groceries up and go. They, they optimize the route through the whole store. But there's no reason why they can't just have a little robot go do that. And then it drops it off into a truck. And then that delivery truck has the route all perfectly planned and it can drop off the groceries. Like, it, that just seems very re- reasonable to me that it could just be a simple warehouse and robots do all the shopping and drops it into trucks and ships it out. Uh, just a matter of, I suppose, warehouse space at that point.
2: No, I mean, I think it's the issue of the idling trucks. Like, how do you have facilities that are micro enough in buildings that are not necessarily warehouses? Interesting. Because you can't have, you can't do these insane package
3: rooms either in the, in the rental buildings. Like, those don't, like, so, like, I don't know. Yeah.
1: Well, that's probably a little bit bigger of a problem that I'm ready to tackle. So I won't be the guy to solve that one for you. But if I meet him or her, I'll let you know.
3: Uh, (laughs) I'll send
1: him him along. You know, know, outside of that one, what do you think are some other of the biggest opportunities right now that startups are either uh, catching wind of or they're just not taking advantage of?
3: Outside of PopTech?
1: Like uh, i mean well i mean we could I, I was only interested in prop tech but i mean if you think something else is cooler <laughs>
2: <laughs> i mean yeah i think a lot of other things are cooler but i'm not i'm not really qualified to talk about other things i'm qualified to talk about this subject
1: um <laughs> i'll give you one you want to take one just take one let's let's go for one that's a little bit off topic you want to give me
2: one or you want me to give you another one. Yeah,
1: you, 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 you take one off topic. What's, what's a, a cool opportunity out there?
2: No, off, off prop tech? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of people who want to do
3: uh, meditation. Uh, and that's already sort of a saturated market.
2: But there's also a lot of people who are looking for like, alternative Judaism. Hmm. And there's like a way to do that. Um, Also, uh, this is kind of morbid, but death tech is going to become super big in 2020. I mean, is there ever an end of supply? No, it's a, it's a, it's a counter cyclical business. Um, And there's, there's not a lot of technology tying the entire thing together so you have like palliative care you have like people doing the estate planning for the survivors you have accountants you have lawyers you have funeral arrangements you have to make you have like seven things Mm -hmm. that different people need you have the religious aspect of it and there's sort of no technology to tie it all together there's a couple platforms actually just came out of new york that are doing interesting things but mm-hmm. there's a huge opportunity right now in, uh, in debt tech.
1: I, I never would have thought about that. But I mean, you could make the argument that that's a real estate play for a lot of people. I mean, what are the...
2: Cemetery. I've wanted to do a cemetery deal for a while, but we haven't found anything that was quite right. Got it. There's, um, a, yeah, there's the, a company called Plotbox that I passed on that I shouldn't have. That was a, a very cool company. It's called what? Flat box. It's SAS for <laughs> um, funeral homes, cemeteries.
1: Oh, all right. Well, it's, I'm just trying to figure out what the subscription as a service
2: is there. Like <laughs> run, you got to run the facility. It's the same oh, way. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Like run like faci- a medical office. You know, oh, so I see. like there's like, yeah. there's like you know we're looking at like we haven't done a deal in medical office yet. We're like mm-hmm. really look, want to do a deal in medical office this year. Uh, life sciences, that kind of stuff
3: as it relates to the real estate. Um, What else? There's going to be an explosion in um, sort of digital
2: real estate uh, as it relates to people structuring deals. Uh, There was just a new fund uh, announced, partnership between Sidewalk Labs and Ontario Teachers Plan. Mm. Uh, to do digital uh, infrastructure investing. You had Colony Capital, which is one of the biggest REITs sort of pivoting the bulk of their business to Digital Bridge, which is this digital infrastructure uh, REIT, effectively, that they bought. Um, Mm. So there's this fund, Growth Fund Digital Alpha that spun out of Cisco that's doing interesting things. There's going to be a lot of Interesting things happening this decade in the at the intersection of, of digital infrastructure and software.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Okay. When give me one that's related to prop tech now.
2: <laughs> well, that one's tangentially related to prop. Okay, tech, that's fair. The digital I mean, infrastructure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, anything like we like we look at like we look at we like to track general trends in real estate, right? So, like, what have real estate people been buying? Um, because you know, cap rates are so compressed, they've been buying. Uh, industrial and logistics and warehousing. Although trailer that, parks. you know, some would some would argue right trailer parks, uh, RV parks, right? So looking to do something in that space potentially.
1: Storage is um, cool
2: medical enough. office. Yeah. Um, storage, yeah, not so much recently. Um so, you know, we're tracking those trends. Those trends continue in the real estate market. If you want to know trends in the real estate market, just call you know Bob White who runs real capital analytics is just like, I saw him present at, uh, down at the stock exchange for the Wisconsin uh, uh, real estate event. And he, he's just a font of, of knowledge of you know, global flows and what people are buying. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, 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 we want to follow where the hard asset real estate people are going. Hmm.
1: Yeah. I, I kind of do want to know what uh, Bob White knows. I don't think I found the right guy on, LinkedIn. He's not sherwin Williams, is he?
2: No, he works. He runs Real Capital Analytics.
1: <laughs> Found the, the VP of uh, real estate executive at uh, sherwin Williams is also at Bob White. Uh, unrelated, but uh, <laughs> um, uh, I, yeah, I I I like the, I think that there's a lot of interesting opportunities. I'm excited because I think this next decade is really going to be the the make or break of a lot of ideas, but also the Formulation of of new ideas and people being bold enough to tackle them because uh, I think we're further along than in some areas than uh, others would have guessed. Uh, I think that the speed of the transaction, I think it's accelerated faster than some would assumed it would, and I don't see it slowing down personally. But um, yeah, I think those are those are all really interesting ideas. Um, I I want to kind of shift a little bit and. You know, speaking of all those deals or those ideas, obviously they're going to take a lot of a lot of money. So, you know, last year it's uh, 2019 seemed like it was a, a really a hit year, if you will, for prop tech. Like you can take all the money we work gets out of the equation, and still it's quite a bit of money put into prop tech, real estate tech, even some of the fintech stuff that seems like it's you know could be both or fall in both worlds. Um, do you see that trend continuing?
2: Yeah, I see. I see it continuing. I see it accelerating until, you know, there's the next um, global slowdown, and you know, we'll see. I mean, we've never had a situation where we have record low unemployment, but rates are still so low, mm. and they're maybe not going up. And so, what does that do for the real estate market? What does it do for the venture business? Um, I don't know. We're sort of in uncharted. Fiscal and monetary policy world. So um, I don't really know, but I think within an expansionary world, PropTech tech continues to be uh, funding in it, at least, continues to increase. I think in a world that's contracting, you know, you still have revenue increase because you have a lot of people uh, sort of doubling down on it instead of shying away from it. Uh, but I don't know if investment, you know, continues uh, to increase unabated. I mean, we've had, a, we've had uh, an exponential uh, growth in the sector, you know, from 2013, it's 500 million of venture capital to, you know, ex- excluding the um, money going that went into WeWork this year. I think we're going to have 12 billion, 13 yeah. billion. Into this sector once you know the books are closed on 2019, so um, yeah, I, I I see that continuing. Yeah, do do you think that there's going to be more uh,
1: uh, investors or venture funds jumping at? Hey, I, I want a piece of this action. I, I don't have anything in real estate. I want a piece of this. Or do you think it's really going to stay? You know, the people who, I guess the last few years who have been involved with the industry and,
3: and know it best. Uh, are they going to be the ones that dominate it? I think both. I think you're going to see
2: more deal volume amongst the established investors and more deal volume amongst newbies.
1: Okay, the pie gets bigger. Everybody gets gets a slice here.
2: I mean, look, every deal now is way more competitive than it used to be. Um, so we'll see. There's, there's, um, definitely a lot of capital chasing deals. Uh, so I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I think, uh, we just have to execute.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's like,
2: you know, do our job and like be nice to people and try to do right (laughs) by people and like, see if we can win deals.
1: You make it really sound, uh, pretty simple. (laughs) Just just execute, be nice to people, and and
2: that'll work? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. You know, like there's so much competition to your point. Like, you know, any day you're competing against someone who, to your point, doesn't yet have something in the sector and is willing to pay whatever they can to get a logo in it. I don't blame them. It's a great sector to be in. Yeah. Um, And then you have the people who are, you know, who've seen, you know, three of them. And so, you know, yeah, sometimes you wonder if you're, you know, am I, am I, sometimes I look at deals, and I'm like, am I jaded? You know, because I've just seen so many of these types of deals. So it, it cuts both ways. Fair enough. Uh, I, I want
1: to shift into the, the bottom segments of the show. But before we do, I, I can't go on without asking this because the people want to know. The people have been wondering where is the Meta prop cast?
3: and if it's coming, I, I, it's, if it's coming back.
2: I I I can't guarantee that it's going to come back, but I, I will propose it at the next uh, meeting I have. See if people want to do it. I would want, I would. I would do it. I I I would host it. Do you think I'd be a good podcast host? Podcast host?
1: You don't have to know anything to be a podcast That's the best thing. You can just ask questions. So I think if you're nice to people, (laughs) that's all. Here's how, here's my response to being a good podcast host. Uh, Be nice to people, ask questions that the guest cares about
3: uh, and let them talk. I feel like... How many podcasts have you done? This is going to be episode
2: 71. Wow. That's a lot. And, and what kind of people do you typically
1: interview? Uh, they're founders, executives, CEOs, investors, or other people in real estate who are using tech in an interesting way.
3: Very cool. Yeah. That's the whole point of the show. The feature of the leaders and innovators in real estate and technology. Well, I'm honored to be
2: considered one of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I told you at the top, of the, well, before we got on the, on the mic here, uh, I mean, the, the, the Metaprop podcast was one of the, the podcasts I binged before even starting mine. Like, it was part of the inspiration as I was making my own way into prop tech. So, you know, maybe the people is just me asking where it's at and when it's coming back. But I think the people want to know. I think the people want it. So, um, well, hopefully you guys will bring it back. I look forward to it.
2: Um, I think we should. So why don't I have that as a
3: goal for 2020? There it is. Second, uh, new year's resolution. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Um, yeah, exactly. My, my other one was for other people. So.
1: I'm going to come up with uh, my own New Year's resolution that's really for other people. <laughs> mine might be like, I wish that every auto... Here's my here's my New Year's resolution. Uh, my New Year's resolution is for every auto DM on LinkedIn is actually a gift card to Starbucks. That's my New Year's resolution. <laughs> Everyone who sends me a DM automated on LinkedIn should also send me $5 to Starbucks. That's... I got one... Wait, hold on. This is, this is really off topic, topic, but I'm going to get back to it. I got one yesterday or this morning, and I accepted it. The guy's going to send me a pinatagram. He asked if he could send me a pinatagram, and I gave him uh, the avail office <laughs> mailing <laughs> address.
2: That's amazing.
1: We'll find out what that is. All right, so we're going to jump into a game I call For the Future... Uh, this is the segment where I get to ask each guest who comes on the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Zach, are you ready to play?
2: Well, I'm an expert at the four questions from the sailors, so bring it on. <laughs> okay.
1: Question number one, what does Metaprop look like one year from now?
2: Uh, we, we hopefully look like a um, more diverse, um,
3: better run, Uh, more thoughtful uh, investment firm with more AUM. All right. Question number two, and I'm officially
1: on the fly changing. Question number two. I used to ask everybody, what's the housing market look like? And, uh, you know, I got the same answer every time. So I'm going to start changing that.
3: Uh, Question number two. How will you describe what, Prop tech will look like one year from now? We're going to see uh, a lot more consolidation in prop tech in 2020 than we did in 2019. All right. Not
2: just big companies buying little companies, but little companies finally merging together, which we really haven't seen yet.
1: Why, why do you think that's going to be the case?
2: There's a bunch of companies now that are good companies, but they have upside down cap tables and they're not really venture fundable anymore. They're private
3: equity fundable, but they're not quite big enough for private equity firm unless you roll them up. And no strategic's really going to buy them. Interesting. That's fascinating. I never thought about that. Uh, Question number three, what's one industry
1: trend you think will continue but you wish would go away?
3: That I think will continue, but I wish it would go away. Yep. Industry trend. hmm Calling uh, gross rents annual recurring
2: revenue. It is annual revenue that does recur, but it's not the same as SAS ARR.
1: I break it down for people who are wondering, why can't I call it that?
3: Because I just believe fundamentally a rental agreement has a different valuation multiple that should be applied to it rather than a software
2: as a service gross revenue number. Yeah. Because of the nature of the contract and the nature of the scalability that is suggested by the contract. A lease is bounded by four walls and a SaaS contract is theoretically not. So a SaaS contract should trade at a higher multiple than a lease. So you shouldn't call it ARR because it's really not. It's rent, and that's great. I'm glad you're getting a good rent. You're a kick-ass company. Just like own it.
1: Is is that? Uh, I, I'm not familiar. Like, are real
3: estate companies now calling uh, rent annual recurring revenue? Yeah. They have been for years. Okay. I mean, I'm not looking at their books. (laughs) Well, I mean,
2: ARR is not a gap concept anyway. So no one has that on their books. It's what they, you know, tell their slide decks.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well, uh, this is the start of that happening. 2020 is going to be the year. We'll spread the (laughs) message far and wide. (laughs) All right, question number four. What's one thing you believe will dramatically change or
3: fade away as a result of technological advances? Will change or fade away? Yeah. One thing in real estate that will change or fade away? The process of creating a survey. Okay is going to become massively uh, enhanced by technology. Mm. And that's going to have interesting repercussions within the real estate world. It'll enable transactions to close a lot faster. All right. That's cool. I was expecting like blockchain or... Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding.
1: Um, <laughs> uh, cool. Well, we're going to move into the last three here. Uh, Zach, these are questions more about you. Uh, so the listeners get to know you better. First one is, what are you reading?
2: Um,
3: I am reading... I have it here. I'm reading a couple of things, but trying to read more as i guess everyone is i'm reading this book by sam harris called uh, waking up okay
2: what's that one about it's it's a guy it's sort of a guide to is a neuroscientific exploration into um spiritual discovery i would say
3: oh that's what
1: you were you were tweeting about the other night you were asking for more books on that topic
2: I was asking for books on dreams. Thank you for your recommendation, by the way. So yeah. yes, I would say tangentially related.
1: Fair enough. Uh, for, for the listeners out there, there's also a pretty good book. Have you heard of it called PropTech 101? Uh,
2: uh, it's a fabulous book.
1: I think it's pretty good. Uh, especially for, you know, and I have to tell you, um, uh, this one thing that really helped me with, because I did buy the book and read it, so, uh, it, so I was running an agency before I joined Avail full-time. And anyone who's looking to sell to prop tech companies, I think especially, should read the book. Because it helped me understand some of the motivations behind you know, how the businesses are structured and how they operate. So uh, that was one way it was very helpful to me. But I thought it was, it was fascinating. Uh, so anyway, that's on the the Amazon for people out there. You should go pick up that book. Uh, question number two: who are you
3: learning from? Wow, that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, Just tell me your
1: your closest network uh, people people in your network that that's all I'm looking for here.
2: Who am I learning from? Um, one of my resolutions is to get more active on Twitter and sort of find and interact and learn stuff on Twitter. And so I follow a lot of people on Twitter. I follow a lot of parody accounts. Um, I'm trying to learn more, uh, through that platform. And that's, uh, it's been great. Um, it's been really interesting getting more active, uh, so I'm learning from sort of everybody I follow on that platform that's active, that's not, you know, spewing hate. And then I'm also learning from a few people who spew hate as well. <laughs> um, uh, you know, learning sort of how how to try and not do stuff like that. Um, but, uh, and then also sometimes they say interesting stuff. Um, but... Uh, who else? I mean, I'm constantly learning from my partners and my colleagues. I'm constantly learning from my family members. Um, constantly learning from friends. I'm trying to get, uh, you know, uh, a, trying to get a kernel out of every conversation I have these days. Sort of, awesome. if you can like, if you can like pull and remember like one thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I try to read, um, I try to read a lot of like uh, kind of self-help books. I read a lot of Stoic philosophy. I read a lot of um, ancient Jewish mysticism. Uh,
3: Not really helps. So I learn a lot. I learn a lot from that kind of stuff. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to, I don't know. I'm trying to be a better person. Uh, And
2: part of that's like, learning actually listening to other people um so hopefully i'm going to you know i'm going to learn a lot uh from people you know i i think so and one you know one thing um one thing we always talk about uh at metaprop is like when you're giving somebody advice like talk about like share your experience with it instead of like giving them the advice mm-hmm. Um, and so like anytime somebody like says that to me, like from my experience, this is what happened. Here's how I did it. Mm -hmm. When I'm like asking a question or I'm clearly, um, not, not comfortable or confident with like what, what we should do. Um, I'm trying to learn from that. Uh, so like every, I'm, I'm also, um, cold emailing people like, all over the place, just reaching out. Um, I, uh, I was, I was teaching, um, my class up at uh, Columbia and the, I asked my students like who had sent a cold email and like 50% of that day, the 50% of them, uh, raised their hands. Wow. And I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing. And then I was like, who sent one like this week? And like, 20 more percent of them. And I realized like I hadn't sent one. Uh, So I went, I did a tweet storm about it. And then I (laughs) started cold emailing people. So it was like, that was like the perfect, uh, the perfect mix for 2020 for me. It's like being more active on Twitter, like sharing, like not care, you know, don't care people don't like your stuff. Like, you know, who gives a shit? Keep putting it out there. Maybe someday you'll find people who like it. Or like, if you like it, like, and it's not hurting anybody,
3: who gives a shit, right? Yeah, I can dig it. So, I just retweeted um, your tweet talking about uh,
1: giving uh, people advice. Share the personal experience with it.
2: Thanks, man. I've been. Uh, do you follow parody accounts on Twitter?
1: Um, I think I do. I, I follow <laughs> uh, VC Starter Kit.
2: Yeah, of course. I follow them all. <laughs> I started following this, for, this uh, account. Praying for extra is another good one. Yeah. I like um, VCs congratulating themselves. It's just like <laughs> a hand clap thing. I follow that, I that, that, that user. There's also there's a parody account I just found. It's called Clendathu, the Thought Leader, which I think is just like the greatest. So it's like, the avatar, it's just ridiculous.
1: I'll just go through um, uh, who you're following and I'll try and find that one. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah. It's, it's, so I've just, I've just been uh, really trying to like, I don't know. I, I was basically, I would say from my, my Twitter activity used to just consist of, and I still do this, used to just consist of like reading political stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've kind of, you know, gotten out of just doing that. I still keep up, uh, probably too much, but I'm not like totally immersed in it. Like a couple hours a day. Um, like I was in 16 and 17. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, look, Twitter, Twitter can be a a pit in a rat's nest if you let it, but it can also be like a really positive platform. I I think it's gotten better. I, I think the Yeah, I, 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 I think the experience is good. I think um, yeah. you know, I think I think they, you know that they, it's there There are obviously a lot of issues still with it. But yeah, um yeah. and sort of this, you know, the stuff that it that it amplifies really big. But I you know, I get a lot out of it. Um and then like, you know, just trying to find like I you know, I, I was um I was talking to uh one of my oldest friends uh who he, he, he actually he works at a cemetery um, mm. in Brooklyn. And uh, so we talk about technology that he's, he does uh, uh, horticulture, landscaping, all that uh, stuff there. And so he's doing crazy stuff with drones and ArcGIS software and things like that. So we sometimes chat about that stuff. But we we're also talking about because he, he's, uh, he's done the Sam Harris like meditation app course on his phone. Mm -hmm. He's super into it. And I was sort of bemoaning with him that there's no, like, we actually went to the same Hebrew school when we were growing up, but neither of us are religious, particularly. We were sort of like, you know, why isn't there a, um, for example, why isn't there a a, a meditation community that instead of, not, not not that it's wrong, but instead of using Buddhist and sort of Hindu dogma, like use sort of the Jewish frameworks, um, cause you know, we're just more familiar with it. And so he went and emailed, uh, his friend, who's like a professor down in South Carolina, this stuff. And he got a link to this book. That's like a, basically like a, uh, this, you know, transcendental med- meditation, but taught through a Jewish lens. And so he just like texted me right before he started the, the link to the book. So just like being more, you know, but like that, like I wouldn't have got, you know, like just being more active about like Hmm. going after what you want to get and then like finding people who want to like explore like weird niche stuff with you.
1: That's cool. I can appreciate that. Uh, The last one here, final of the last three, uh, what inspires
2: you? I, you know, other, other people inspire me every day. I mean, Uh, just other, you know, people do heroic or what do they say? Ordinary people do extraordinary things every day. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like, um, you know, my wife, she's able to, um, go to school, take care of the kids, run like a half marathon, all in sort of the, the same day and still be like, uh, you know, um, still be not just like crash at the end of the day, like still be able to enjoy yourself and have dinner and hang out with friends and, you know, watch a TV show or whatever, read. So that's inspiring every day. Um, You know, my partners do inspiring stuff every day. My colleagues, uh, the people I work with, you know, just, just every time I get a, um, every time I get a work product from somebody that's sort of really good, I'm inspired. You know, I'm inspired when
3: people take the time and really give a shit about their work. Um, hmm. so I get inspired pretty easily. It, it, um, it upsets me why,
2: what, like when I can't inspire people in the way that I get inspired. That's
1: cool. I appreciate that. Um, well th- this has been great for me i I've thoroughly enjoyed this discussion. I think there's a, a lot of takeaways in here, um, especially for the other founders who are listening, try to understand either more about how uh, Metaprop works specifically or even you know what's going on in the the, the mind of uh, an investor in prop tech um, and so uh, but before we close out, I want to give uh, people the opportunity if they want to learn more about Metaprop or if they want to connect with you, like uh, where are the places they can do that? How do they go about doing that?
2: I mean, if if, if you send me a pretty well-crafted cold email, I'll respond to it. There it is.
1: (laughs) Find his email, send him an email, have your customer send the intro. That's the thing right there. Have the customer send the intro email.
2: That's like next level.
1: That's next level. There it is. So if you want to talk to Zach, uh, find your best customer, have him send him uh, an introduction, an email, just book a time and uh, he'll take your call from there, I bet. <laughs> well, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening
0: to the TechNest podcast. Hey, don't forget, you can get on the email list. You never miss an upcoming episode. That's technest.io. That's T-E-C-H-N-E-S-T dot I-O. Get on the email list. Uh, go to the app store, whether you found us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you found us. Leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. And if you've got a guest or someone that you'd like to recommend, or if you think that you'd be a great guest on the show, hey, send me an email, nate at realteampanda.com. That's nate at realteampanda.com. See you guys
3: later.